Listen, this week, it's, I'm going to tell you all something. Can I just be honest with you? This has been a really rough week for me. I have cried more in the past week. I spent, uh, and it's, it's been over this church. Uh, just what I see the enemy working on. I've spent a lot of time with our elders uh, talking, praying, and getting, to know, getting into some things. Uh, I took over Wednesday uh, prayer, told them, here's what we're praying about. Here's what we're praying into, and we'll be doing the same thing again this Wednesday. Uh, because as, as a church grows and, and, and begins to go places, the enemy will raise its head. This week, I had a dream. Um, I had a dream that Dee and I started a church. Um, no, I'm not leaving. This is not some kind of weird announcement because it was with all of us. Um, and when, when I, in this dream, I actually saw even the logo for the church. And the name of the church was Perfect Unity Church. But the Lord said, you're not there yet. And so that set me into a, a, a tailspin. Um, yesterday, I spent hours just weeping. Uh, because I listened to some crazy song. Uh, I won't tell you. Uh, I, won't, I won't suggest you listen to the song. It may say things in it that you don't like. But it's something um, that, that hit me. And as I thought about it, and I thought about the words, and it's, it's written from, a, it's written from a, a, a drug addict's perspective. Uh, most of you know I was a substance abuse counselor for 15 years. I seriously, sorry, I've got to watch now. It's been hours yesterday. Because I kept thinking about the dream. And I kept thinking about that song. And I thought, man, we're nowhere near being able to help them if we're still struggling with some of these things in our own house. Ah. Dee uh, was at work the other day and she uh, works right in front of a, a in Zanesville, a place called the Exchange. If you've never been there, it's just like a big giant food court. And as she went in, Holy Spirit <laughs> began to speak to her. And, I'm, and I told her, I'm taking her story. And he, he told her, he said, look around at all the expressions of me. All the expressions of him. Until we see... Everyone as an expression of God will never treat people the way they're supposed to be treated. You walk into the exchange where she was working, first thing you walk into is a bar. And you walk past the bar and it's just rows and rows of food court places. Go there, it's pretty neat. Uh, good food. But, she, but the Holy Spirit said, look at all the... And he began to say other stuff and she could share it at some other time. Uh, 
But again, it started making me cry again last night. Like I said, I've done more crying this week than uh, I have in a long time. And so Holy Spirit began to deal with me about a series. And every time I tried to write something this week, I got a, I got a whole message almost written. Um, well, when I say written, I'm talking my notes compiled. I hadn't put them together. And then scrapped it and put it for later. That's not the one. And, and, and compiled a whole bunch of notes, scrapped it. But at least I'm, I'm ahead of the game for the rest of the series. But I landed today. The name of this series is Love in Action, Unity That Attracts. Unity That Attracts. Unity in a church is attractive. I said last week, and it wasn't in my notes, but I kept hearing the Holy Spirit say over and over again, imagine how attractive the church would be. Imagine how attractive the church would be if we would do this. Imagine how attractive the church would be. And what would take the church, what would it take for the church to be the most attractive option that people have? Let me say that again. You need to hear that. What's it going to take for the church to be the most attractive option? Well, I think there's some things we can do. And if you, if you remember last week, I told you I left you with three words. We can do it. It's four words. I know that. I said it on purpose. We can do it. We can be the most attractive option. We can be that most attractive option, but we're going to have to move into some things. Let me ask you something. Have you ever found yourself watching, does anybody else in here binge watch TV series like I do? Good. I see some heads. Dee and I'll sit down, man. It'll be like, see, episode after episode after episode. Now, again, this is after we've worked our day and trying to figure out what to do with our evening. But have you ever tried to watch one alone? Ain't no fun. You look around, they have one of these, did you see that? And you look around and there's nobody there. There are some things that's just better when we're together. There's something that's just, here, some things are not really better when we're together. This past week, Sydney and Kelsey decided to go work out together. Sydney comes to my house. And, and I said, will you get down on the floor and unplug something for me? She got down and her arms went like this. And about the time she got a text from Kelsey, she said, my arms are killing me. Are you okay? And Aaron just wishes they would have left him alone. They found his hiding spot. But they, even sometimes misery loves company. <laughs> and there are things that are just more fun with somebody. Today, if I titled today, it would be the lure of love. If unity attracts, then it needs a lure. It's hard to go fishing if you don't have a lure. Some kind of bait. So the lure of love, and it's crafting a community of unity. You all okay? We're going to, it's time to grow. Time to grow past where we are. It's time to be uh, what God has called us to be. Go to Psalms 133, verse 1. Psalms 133, verse 1. Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell in what? Behold how good and pleasant it is 
when brothers dwell in unity. He said it's like the precious oil uh, on the head running down the beard and on the beard of Aaron and running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Where does God command the blessing? In unity. Folks, let me tell you, in a place, in a church, you say, well, why are you preaching this to us? Because I can't do this. I'm one man among a hundred and some people. It's going to take all of us to intentionally dwell together in unity. And when we do dwell together in unity, we understand that that's where the Lord commands his blessing. That's where the blessing of the Lord is commanded. Folks, there is no blessing. There is no blessing outside of unity. Because outside of unity, Joe, it's chaos. And God's not, what's Corinthians tells? God's not the author of what? Confusion. So who's it going to take to dwell in unity? It's going to take you. It's going to take me. It's going to take all of us working together and being absolutely intentional. Being absolutely intentional about being together rather than separate. Y'all okay? These are pastor messages over the next few weeks. Like I said, I've cried and I've cried. I got up this morning and cried a little bit more. I thought I really broke down last night. I well, no, I did break down last night. Um, because this is serious. Because if we're not the most attractive option, they won't be here. If the church is not the most attractive option, they'll find something else that feels a need, even if it's just for a moment. They'll turn to drugs, they'll turn to alcohol, they'll turn to sex, they'll turn to whatever it is because it pleases for a moment. But there's something that when someone loves you unconditionally, oh my goodness, are you with me? Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell in unity. It's like the oil that's poured upon Aaron's head and runs down even on his beard and even on his collars and even down to the hems of his robe. He said it's like the dew that flows from Mount Hermon upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore. So what is unity? Let's look at it. The unity, the unity, unity is the state of being one, oneness. Unity is a thing undivided. It's a thing undivided itself, but separate from every other thing. Now listen, when we're talking about unity, and we'll cover some of this over the next couple of weeks, we're not talking about you're going to be best friends with everybody. That is unrealistic. Because your, your interests, things that you like, things you do, uh, uh, are going to be different. So we're naturally going to gravitate to people we have the same interests of. But when I'm talking about unity, I'm talking about we are going out of our way. The, one of the last scriptures I read to you last week says, try to do outdo each other in honor. 
When we're talking about unity, it means that we are going out of our way to know that someone is honored, to know that they're loved, to know that they're cared for, even if I don't hang out with them on a daily basis. Even if they're, if they're not my type, my cup of tea. I mean, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. You know, I'm not, I know that, it's okay. But I tell you what, it's something else when we know that somebody's not our cup of tea, but we're still going out of our way to make sure they feel loved, to make sure they feel honored, to make sure they feel accepted. You say, well, why are you preaching this? Because I told, I told our members in a, in a membership meeting a couple weeks ago, I said, don't get upset as the church grows. If a church ain't growing, people aren't hearing about Jesus. Somebody said, well, I don't want a big church. I do. I want them all. I, matter of fact, I want a redeeming passion down in the coffee shop. I want them busting out the seams. I want called to freedom busting out the scene. I don't want, I want them to have to look for chairs. I'm not, it's ain't about, well, I want to be the biggest place in town. No, I want to be at least our place. And I want people to know when they come here, they're going to be loved and they're going to have people who are going to look out for them. And they're going to have people who are going to love them no matter what they are, where they've been or how they're going through. And unity is the state of being one. And if I'm ever in a place where I'm not making someone feel that way, Maggie, can I use you as an example real quick? Okay. Maggie, come to me and talk about the first time she came to church here last Easter. And someone told her, ah, oh, you don't want to go down there with those people, whatever, whatever. But one thing she said, well, she said that when she came, she knew that there was people who loved her, that who accepted her. Now, is Maggie going to be everybody's best friend? She could be. But you know what? As that church grows, it doesn't happen that way all the time. But if we're going to walk in unity, we're going to have to make sure that we make everybody. Well, they've been here a while. I don't See, that's our problem, Lana. How long have you been in this church? 24 years. Our problem is, well, Lana's been here. <laughs> Our problem becomes when we see, well, Lana's been here 24 years, so I don't really have to deal with her much. She's okay. She, she, that's not unity. Or I don't really like Lana. Me and her don't see eye to eye on everything. So I am just going to avoid her and make her feel real awkward when she walks in a place. That she's looking up going, you, you ever walked in, uh, Tracy, you ever walked in a room and knew everybody in that room was talking about you? What, I'm the only one that's ever felt that way? You walk in a place, you know, oh, oh they were talking about me. And you could just feel, why in, the world would it, why in the world would we ever create a culture in a church? Did you see me trip? We ever create a culture in a church that would ever make anybody feel that way. When the board tells us, the word tells us that Jesus ate lunch with prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners. 
He didn't decide if everybody had their life cleaned up right enough for him before he had decided to go have lunch and make him feel honored and make him feel respected. Remember when they caught the woman in adultery and they brought her to Jesus and they threw her down? He rolled in the ground. Then he stands up and says, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. And one by one, they begin to drop their stones from the oldest to the youngest. Now, where did they catch her? I will get to my message soon, I promise. Where did they catch her? In the act. They brought her to Jesus and threw her at his feet from the house to the temple. So after everyone walks away, Jesus stands her up and he says, where are those who accuse you? She said, they're gone, Lord. And he said, now listen, you knew you shouldn't have been trying to do that with that dude. It's funny how they didn't bring the dude in. You shouldn't have been trying to do that with that guy. And you know what that makes you. You know what everybody's going to call you. And you need to get your life straight. And you need to get it together because you're just filthy. You're awful. No. He picked her up and he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, don't keep doing what you're doing. But I'm not condemning you in this either. Church, when are we going to really act like Jesus? And when they come in, wiped out, messed up, jerked up, dirty, filthy, messy, their lives are a wreck, their homes are a wreck, their marriages are a wreck, everything about them is a wreck, and we say, ah, don't worry about it. Come here and let me love on you a little bit. Let me hug on you a little bit. Let me show you the love of God rather than telling you about it. Do you hear me? Let me show you the love of God rather than just telling you about it. Let me be the experience with God that you've been looking for. Let me pick you up and say, I don't condemn you either. Come on. We'll get it together. It may happen eventually. And I dare say today that the only way this is going to happen is when we learn to do this with each other first. The only way we're going to be those people is when we learn to do it with those who are sitting in this room now. <laughs> Galatians chapter 5 verse 6. Are you good? Yeah. All right. Galatians 5 verse 6. For in Christ there is neither circumcision or uncircumcision. Counts for nothing, for anything, but only faith working through what? So what makes our faith work? See, here's, Emily, here's the thing. People tell me all the time, oh, give us deep messages. We want deep stuff. We want the meat. Well, you know why? You know what meat is? It's tough to chew. It's hard to swallow. And we're going to say things over the next few weeks, it's going to be hard to swallow. But I believe if we do it, we'll be the most attractive option. He said, the only thing that matters, not circumcision, not uncircumcision, what matters is faith working in love. 
And if I don't express and have this love for everyone, Karen, Dennis, if I don't express and have this love for everyone, I can't say that I'm a person of great faith. Oh, are you with me? You can, you can pray in tongues all day long. You can run, jump, shout, fall out, whatever it is that you do. But if you are not a person who is moving in, in the God kind of love, then our faith is not even working. Galatians chapter five, verse six out of the Amplified Classic says it this way. For if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. But only faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love. When it's activated, energized, and expressed, it'll work through love. Your faith, what activates your faith, what energizes your faith is love. Love is the lure. But until we can do this with each other, we'll never be that attractive option to the others. Unity requires a love that is so radical that only determined men and women can walk in it. It is a love that is so radical. And this may sound like an impossibility to people. It, it, it may sound like, but folks, if we're going to be people of great faith, we've got to be people of great love. That's the lore. So let's look at love and the believer real quick. Love and the believer, Romans chapter five, verse five. <clears throat> I know last week when I got through with talking about me, I said I was going to preach us all happy real good. I'd rather you grow up. Romans chapter five, and the hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So you know what that tells us? You have the ability to love everyone. Well, we all love John three sixteen, right? For God so loved, not some of the world, not some of them, Mike. He loved the world. So if that love has been shed abroad in our hearts, and here's what people say, well, I can't love so-and-so. Don't ask me to love so-and-so. I don't believe I can love so-and-so. It's too hard to try to love so-and-so. You don't know what so-and-so did to me. Or if we're real holy, we say things like, well, I don't believe I can love people like that. People who live, you know, like that. Whatever that is to you. But what's it say? That the love of God has been shed in our hearts. That means God's love is in you and you have the ability to love anybody you want to love. And if you decide not to love them, that is a choice that you are making. It's grow up time. It's a choice that we make. Well, I don't believe I can love them. They're, you don't know the sin they're living in. They don't know the sin you're living in. Like the gossip session you're having with me to tell me about the sin they're living in. Sorry. <laughs> 
Is that all right, man? The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. Jump to verse 6 of Romans 5. Jump to verse 6 of Romans 5. For we, while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for who? In other words, those who had no connection to him, he was willing to give his life for. We go to the church with the same people, and all of a sudden we develop cliques and Come on. I know none of us are guilty. (laughs) For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 7. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, he didn't matter to him what your sin was before he was willing to give his life for you. He didn't ask you to even clean up before he gave his life for you. He said, while I was still a sinner. How many times have I heard it, Galen? Jerry, Chris, how many times have we heard that? Well, get your life cleaned up, come to church. I'd rather you come to church messy, still in your muck and your mire. Go ahead and accept Jesus. Yeah, but they're still living like this. Okay, they'll get it together, Doc. Where's the people who's going to love them through it? Oh, you're hearing my heart. Where's the people that's going to say, you know what, come on. We're going to help you. We're going to be patient with you. We're not going to be the ones to talk about you. We're not going to be the one to hurt you. While, he, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The message Bible says, while we were of no use to him whatever, Christ died for us. While I was of no use to him, he still died for us. I don't know how many times we, I've, I've heard it. Maybe you all don't have this saying here. Maybe it's a West Virginia saying. Well, I, I ain't got no use for them. You ever heard that one? I mean, you know, what they're in their life, I don't have any use for them. I love the message. That means something to me because it's in my vernacular. While I was of no use whatever to Christ, he still died for me. And we're going to be a people. We need to be a people. That no matter if, I, if someone's perfect, they're doing things the way I would do it or not. I'm still willing to love them, accept them, and walk with them. Because this is the lure to having a community of unity. Love's the key. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, 8. Beloved, now if what I quote and what I bear is different, it's because I have too many versions in my head. Beloved, let us love one another. For everyone that loves is born of God. So what's the, what's the proof of I'm born of God. I'm a person of love. For everyone that loves is born of God. Who loves God. Who, and whoever has been born of God and knows God. Verse 8. And anyone who does not love does not know God. I didn't mean you're not going to heaven. 
Because he wrote this to a church. <laughs> How many of you know you can know somebody and not know them? You all know a little bit about me, but you don't know me like she does. But when I walk in love, it says I'm becoming intimately knowledgeable of who God is. And he who does not love, you don't know God. Why? Because God is love. Got to understand something here. God's not trying to love you. He's not trying to love the drug addict. He's not trying to love the prostitute. He just loves them. He just loves them. Why? Because that's who he is. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any more than he loves you right now. Yeah, but you don't know my life. You don't know the mess I'm in. I don't care because of who he is, because of his makeup, he loves you. So you know what that means that I have to do? If I'm going to walk like Christ, I'm going to love you. And I'm not going to have to, oh, here you go. I'm not going to have to force myself to love you. I'm not going to have to make myself love you. I'm just going to love you. Whether you like it or not, I'm going to love you. Whether we're ever going to be best friends or not, I'm going to love you. (laughs) Because anyone who does not love does not know God. God's nature is love. And we're a new creation. So what is it about God's love? Let's look at God's love for a minute. First thing I know about God's love, God's love is unconditional. There is no condition, Aaron, on God's love. Kevin, there's no condition on God's love. God doesn't say, I love you as long as you do this, 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 and this. Are you with me? He doesn't say, I'm going to love you as long as you check all the right boxes to be my friend. No, he says, I'm going to love you. And I'm, remember, I keep going back to that scripture in Peter. It says, outdo each other in love. Folks, I'm telling you, this stuff is so heavy on my heart right now. Poor Sally. I won't tell on you, Sally. We sat here Wednesday morning for prayer. And as I shared my heart with, she began to break down and weep. Don't do it now. See, we have to get this because there's a world that needs to know that God is already in love with them. There's a world that needs to know that God already loves them. They don't have to do a blessed thing to make him love them, that he's already madly, passionately. Idris said it yesterday, had lunch with Idris yesterday. She said, so is it a correct statement if I said, Jesus loved me so much he went to hell and back? Absolutely, the word tells us he did. He is obsessed with us. So when are we going to be that way to everyone else? Whether we agree with everything about their life or not, whether they're our best buddies or not, whether they fit into our friend group or not, when are we going to be that people who are just obsessed with people, that are just in love with people. And if we're not doing it, shame on us because we're not Christ like. Everybody good? I know it's deep. Matthew chapter 5, look at God's unconditional love. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. 
You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But, everybody say but. That means he's not finished with his thought here. But I say to you, love your <coughs> Strong water. <coughs> love your. <coughs> if I'm supposed to love my enemies, what am I supposed to do to the people that I'm, con- I'm considered family with? <coughs> and pray for those that persecute you. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And here's the, here's the thing. People think rain is a bad thing. Because it rains on the just and the unjust. But you, who was he talking to, Zach? Farmers. What do farmers depend on? Sunshine and rain. Rain is a good thing. I'm not going to sing it, but you know. He said he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on both the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do you even, don't even the tax collectors do the same? You know tax collectors were the the worst of the worst to, to the Jewish people because they were Jews who sided with Rome and, and double-taxed the Jewish people and kept some for themselves. They were thieves of their own people. He said, man, even tax collectors do this. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you going to do to others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Yet therefore you must be perfect. Well, that's a big one there. Therefore you, Katie, you must be perfect. As your father is perfect. The word perfect there in the original language meant to brought to an end. Finished. Wanting nothing necessary to completeness. Full grown adult. Of full age and maturity. He said, so if you won't do this, he said, you therefore have to grow up. Quit being childish. Come on. You need to be as mature as God himself in the way he loves people and the way he treated people. If you're not, don't go around here, beat your chest like you're a super spiritual giant. You're so immature. That's what the word perfect there means, Alice. Grow up. To grow to full maturity. Man, it's tough, isn't it? I'll smile more. (laughs) He says, he's telling you here, grow up. 1 John chapter 4, verse 11, same chapter we was looking at a minute ago. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and is come to full maturity, perfected. In us. Jump down to verse 16. So we have come to know and believe that love God has for us. God 
is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Well, who did he first love? All of us. So what is our response now? To love. This is the lore, Kevin. We want to say, well, how do we make our churches grow? How do we get people? You got to put the right bait out. And the right bait is not judgmental, critical. (laughs) It's not hateful. For too long, Christians have been the old people said, get off my yard. We've told people to clean up. We've told people how to dress, how to act. We've tried to manipulate behaviors rather than watch their hearts change. We would rather, as long as they act okay on the outside, who cares what they think on the inside? (laughs) He said, you got to be perfect. Grow up. Love like God loves. And we love because he first loved us. Verse 20. And if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother or his fellow man, according to Thayer's, he is a liar. Well, I don't hate anybody. No, what we do is we sit around. And me and Lana and Sally sitting up here and we're having a good time and we're talking and everything's good. And all of a sudden Donnie shows up and we all shut up. And we just eyeball Donnie long enough for him to feel uncomfortable. And what message are we letting him know? Chris, we're letting him know that he don't really fit in this group. And before long, Donnie don't come around any longer. And we sit and we wonder, well, where's Donnie? Well, I'll tell you where he was. There's three of us that all of a sudden put a seed in his mind. And then he saw, there were three of us that were so immature that we wasn't acting like God. Amen? Okay. There were three of us who were so immature that we decided not to act like God. We decided to act like mere, mere mortals. And we let him know he didn't belong. Yeah, but, you know, uh, he don't really talk about the same things we talk about. He don't see things the same way we do. What's that got to do with it? What's that got to do with it? What God tell me to do, Pastor Ted? Told me to love. When I was of no use to him, he loved me. So maybe, he, maybe me and Donnie don't see things the same way. Maybe we're just going to love each other anyhow. <laughs> Zach, it's good? All right. Listen, Zach put out a, a message to the prayer group. Just, it's just a scripture yesterday. And I thought, well, look at God working here. It's not going to be on your screen. Proverbs eleven twenty nine said, he who sows discord in his family will inherit the wind. We'll talk about discord later. This is going to be a fun series. Hang on. (laughs) But you know what's going to happen when we come out of this? We're going to be bigger. We're going to be better. And we're going to know when people walk in the door by, they don't want to leave because they said, this is the only place I've ever felt somebody. I had somebody tell me that, stand... Walking out that door, Dee and I stood 
And I had someone just tell me, said, I've never felt like anywhere that anybody loved me. I found that today. They have never stepped foot back in here. Not once. And that's okay. I'm not here to to just grab everybody. But you know what they knew for that moment, Kelsey? They knew that there was a group of people that they could go to if they ever needed it. That's going to love them no matter what station in life they're in. That's not going to judge them. That's not going to hold anything over their head, Rita. But the love of Jesus. He is a liar. For he who does not love his brother who he can see cannot love God who he can't see. Verse 21. And this commandment we have from him. Whosoever loves God must. Everybody say must. Also love his fellow man, his brother. This is a must. This is not a suggestion. This is a must. So how do you and I identify if we're walking in love? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I said this a couple weeks ago. This is not a wedding scripture. Seems like the only time we ever read it is at weddings. This was written to a church. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Doesn't matter how often you've come up praying tongues, and y'all know that tongues is in the Bible, right? Now, I don't know where you stand, but you've probably not been taught right about it. Give us some time, right, Pastor? He said, if I speak in tongues, but I don't love, you know what I'm doing? I'm making a lot of noise. Don't matter. Pray in tongues, dance, hop, jump. (laughs) And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mystery and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. I can have all the faith in the world. I can understand the mysteries of God. I am the most prophetic. I had somebody walk into my church one time. Y'all ready for this? She walked through the back door, swung them open wide for herself. And she said, don't touch me. I've been with God and I am too holy for you to touch me. You know what I did? You all know me well enough. You know what I did? I went, I'm so glad you're at church. Now I'm tainted. Now you're tainted. And it, see, he said, it doesn't matter if you have all the miracles. It doesn't matter if you know all the prophecies. You can interpret the Bible. If you don't know love, you're, we've got to quit trying to make the standard. If they pray in tongues, if they do miracles, or if they prophesy, then they must be holy. He says, you want to be holy? You want to be like God? Be a person of love first. Imagine how attractive we'll be. 
Sometimes we just get caught up in all the spiritual stuff. And I love the spiritual stuff. I love it. But it's not the measuring stick. Somebody needed that. If I have all the faith that I can move mountains, I have not love, Sydney, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I deliver my body up to be burned, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Well, I'm not a very patient person. Well, maybe it's time to change. Well, I just can't grow patience. Yes, you can. Because the love of God's been shed abroad in your heart and it'll work patience in you. Love is patient. Be patient with people. Yeah, but you don't know what they're doing. I don't care what they're doing. I know God loves them. They love God and everything else will work out. And I'm going to walk their hand. I don't care if I have to walk with, hold their hand and walk through the mud with them. Well, I don't want to get too close. I don't want to get all that on me. Who did Jesus have lunch with? Prostitutes and sinners. Tax collectors. Some of us are holier than Jesus. <laughs> Love is patient. But I'm not a patient person. Time to be. Love is kind. Love is kind. How many people have turned away from a place where you, from, from this place because of an unkind word? Because of an, un listen, last week, I'm, I, just, I love transparency on this stuff. Last week, Dee came to me. She said, I think we hurt Jeff's feelings. I said, man, I know Jeff. Me and Jeff's been to championship ball games together. I said, I know Jeff, I don't think so. She said, no, I think we hurt his feelings. Because it was, they were overhearing me and her joke with each other. Some people don't have heard us joke like that before. And uh, man, we, I said, well, I'll get to the bottom of this. If we know or we think that someone has been offended, why are we waiting? I said, I'll catch him Wednesday. And I sat right back there and waited for him to come in the door. And I met him at the front door and said, hey, I need to ask you a question. I said, did I offend you last week? And he looked at me like a cow looking at a new gate and went, and I, he said, well, no, why? And I told him the whole thing. He said, well, no, I didn't think anything about that. And I said, good. I said, because the last thing I ever want is for there to be offense. Man, when, imagine what would happen, Aaron, if a church would live this way. Where we went around and said, I don't know if I hurt you, but if I did, man, please forgive me. Because I don't ever want there to be offense between me and you. It's hard. I've had to do it. I've, had to, I've done it. It's hard. Those conversations can be rough. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love doesn't boast. Love is not arrogant 
or rude? Well, I'm kind of both of those. Well, stop. (laughs) Grow up. Be fully mature in Christ. Grow up. Love doesn't insist, Jody, on getting its own way. It's not irritable. Just waiting for that to settle. Love is not irritable. It's not resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things. I just can't put up with Kathy anymore. Love bears all things. When I think I'm done putting up with Kathy, I'm going to put up with Kathy. Good to see you this morning. Love bears all things. It hopes all things. Love endures all things. I wonder how many times God's ever said that about me, Thelma. Man, I don't know if I can put up with that knucklehead anymore. Because I keep going back say, God, I did it again. <laughs> I blew it again, God. But he never has said that to me, Rita. He's always loved me. Kevin, when the church becomes this, it's the first lure to building a community of unity. Four little words are what? We can do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. Glorify, magnify you in the beauty of your holiness. Father, forgive us if this is where we've landed. Let us love like you. Let us act like you. Let us be like you, for we are like you. And let it change us because there's a world that needs to know the party's already started and they have a place in it. And let us be the ones who will go to them. In Jesus' name.